Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to the latest episode of Soccer in the City. Tom Kolker, Glenn Crooks, Roberto Abramovich, John Rojas, talking New York City FC, Major League Soccer, U.S. national team, both men's and women's, the Gold Cup, the Olympics, so much to get into. Gentlemen, uh, Glenn, we start with New York City FC. Uh, back-to-back wins, three straight wins now for New York City FC and scoring a ton of goals, uh, coming off a big five-goal effort against Orlando, four goals against the Columbus crew. Uh, we're going to talk about both matches as New York City get ready for another busy week, games against Chicago and Toronto coming up. We'll look at those opponents a little bit later. But first, let's just start with a recap of New York City. In the last few weeks of July, in your mind, and I'll, we'll ask uh, Roberto and John as well, but, but what has led to this sort of outburst of, of goals for New York City? Why are they doing so well offensively in the last few weeks, in your mind? Well, I take oh, Tom. Nice to see you again. John, Roberto, wonderful to chat. I look at everything from a coach's perspective, so I'm, I'm very happy for the coaching staff because I, I'm not deeply involved in the analytics, but I understand uh, expected goals, and you know, New York City's creating chances. And they have all season long. And the fact that they're now converting them, I think, is really justification for how this whole thing is being constructed. And now they've got Chicago, Toronto, and Inter-Miami, the next three matches, three of the bottom four teams in the Eastern Conference. So this is going to be interesting to see how it goes. I, I just feel like all the things they've worked on and how they've uh, created uh, the, the whole unit, first the foundation defensively, They've given up the third fewest goals of anybody in the Eastern Conference, and now they're scoring at a, at a really high rate. Those two things combined predict that uh, this is going to go in a, in a really good direction. And really right now, and again, from a coach's perspective, I'm really happy for Ronnie and Nick and, and the rest of them because they've continually um, processed the same message. Um, they've created a lot of chances. And then you finally have Tati Castellano scoring uh, twice in the last two games. You've got Tiago with a golden assist in his uh, last start after having kind of a rugged start in the previous match against Columbus at Columbus. And Jesus Medina is the talisman with seven goals. I mean, it's, it's really pretty wild how it's all been created. And it is without James Sands and Sean Johnson. And that's meaningful. As I'm listening to this and uh, at everything you're saying, you're basically saying everything I was going to say, so, uh, and I don't normally look at things from coaching perspectives, you do, um, but it, it's been that, I mean, if you look at the two losses that they had against Montreal in Orlando on the road, and they had in Columbus at lower.com field, 
New York City dominated both those games and probably had they had better aim or constructed a couple of more player uh, plays that they could have put the ball in the net, they would have won those as well. They definitely deserved to win them, but they didn't score enough goals, so they didn't. And that and that's all fine. But for them to come back to Yankee Stadium, they're really familiar with that place. Scoring nine goals in two games, looking like as close to a juggernaut as you could have. And we understand that Orlando came in the game with a lot of their top players missing. So, you know, that contributes considerably to how that game went. But New York City took advantage of what they had and they became a lot better going forward. And if it, looked, if it wasn't for, for Galese, I mean, it could have been 7-8 or 9 because he stood on his head. He was great, uh, even though he allowed five goals. And then uh, with, with Columbus... They, Columbus had a stronger team than they had in Columbus against New York City, and they ran them off the field. So if you're a New York City fan, you've got to be looking at this team with a lot of hope that if they can stay healthy, that this team has a chance, if it has the right mentality, to win games in knockout rounds, that uh, they could go a really, really long way. And when I think of New York City as far as how far they can go, there is absolutely no reason why this team can't win the championship. Well, it's still it's still early, and 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 the team needs to still you know go through ups and downs because that's the the nature of the season. Uh, but it, but it's important to see what Glenn was saying. It is the the consolidation of the idea, the how how players are now putting their interpretation on what the coaching staff wants, uh, and is. And it's on a, on a solid outside movement. I mean, uh, we all see how New England Revolution has basically dominated the East, right? But New York City FC is second on goals right behind them, right behind New England, only three goals apart. New, uh, New York City has 30 and New England has 33. And if you consider the last two games, you can see exactly what Glenn was saying about going from the back to the front, which is making sure your four back are solid and, and the combinations and the connections and the core relationship between the players are there. So you still have the four on the back, the same personnel, right? And they then they had two changes in regarding the two last games, Orlando and, and, and Columbus Crew. Uh, one was on, on the double uh, six or double pivot, right? Uh, Cacha Severo came out and, and Morales was the other one, Alfredo. And they won on the, on the three up front, either Easy or Thiago, right? So that is giving you the most clear notice that the coach already understand, the coaching staff already have their starting 11 you know whatever the day is if we have a final tomorrow this is the 11 that we want and they have it on their mind and then they go you know, I, I, don't know, I don't know if that's true though uh-huh only because of this because here's what i'm seeing now so santiago rodriguez is prepared to make a start he may very well start on wednesday against chicago we don't know uh, i spoke to ronnie today and a lot of times he gives me the lineup which i would never expose until an hour before the match when it's um, when it's announced 
But Santi Rodriguez is very close to starting. Now, whether that's for Maxi Morales to kind of, you know, energize the minutes there or whether it's on the left side. Look at what they have now. If you look on the left, let's say Santi Rodriguez. That's why I'm hearing it. Let's say Santi Rodriguez is a left-sided player. So you have Santi Rodriguez and Tiago. On the right, you have Izzy, who's going to be healthy. He's healthy now. He's ready for Chicago on Wednesday. Izzy and Medina on the right. That's where they are best, both of them. And then you have Tati Castellanos as the striker with Eber probably clear to start training with uh, contact uh, the very next day. He was going to find out today. We don't know for sure. And they're like two platoon in all these different situations. And then you talked about the uh, the, the six with Morales coming in for Cacha Acevedo. Acevedo got hurt, and we don't know the extent of that. I, I tried to find out today. I, I just don't know. But you've got Acevedo, uh, uh, Keaton Parks, Alfredo Morales, uh, Maxi Morales, and maybe Santi Rodriguez, and Andres Jason. And they're they're at a point now where they're kind of they're kind of two platoon at almost every attacking position. So, John, the only thing I was saying there is that I don't know if he knows his best eleven right now. Well, and then the other part of that too. Oh, go ahead, John. No, no, Tom. It's just because the statement was if we have a final tomorrow, yeah, he will have his eleven in his mind. Of course. Right. A lot of options, which is the following part of that statement. Right. And then you guys all mentioned the back line, Roberto, um, the consistency of the back line. And now you get Sands back. You get Sean Johnson back. We're going to talk about the Gold Cup. Obviously, James Sands logged a ton of minutes. I'd be shocked if he was in there midweek, maybe this weekend, maybe. Not happening. Not, Not happening. happening Wednesday, but maybe Saturday. But okay. What, what about Sean Johnson? Will he be in there on Wednesday? Yes. He, Ronnie, yep. Ronnie Dyla, I, I ran a clip on my Twitter at Glenn Crooks, but he basically said he's. he's oh, so done. you'll share that, but not the lineup with us. Thanks, Glenn. I don't have the whole lineup. Don't he listen. Don't believe him, everybody. He does he not have the lineup. lineup. I will tell you, Sean Johnson will start in goal on Wednesday. I have no problem saying that because Ronnie Dyla said that publicly. So there you have it. But James Sands, I'm almost certain they'll rest him on Wednesday and then yeah. then maybe see if he's ready on Saturday. But here's an interesting um, interesting little aspect on Sands, Collins, and Cheneau and the whole thing back there. Ronnie Dyler suggested that he's going to rotate the central defenders. And the person he mentioned specifically is Maxime Cheneau. And we all know when the game ends, right, Roberto? When the game is over, you look at Chino, and it looks like he's been in he's World War dead. II yeah. and World War One, and the Korean War and every other war that's ever been fought. I don't know what the Luxembourg Wars have been, but he just he's 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 always spent at the end of the match, which is a credit to him because you know he puts everything into it. Uh, I think his adrenaline guy, just drains. He's a good, he's a guy that's going to rotate with Sands. That's why. Yeah, uh, I think with Chanel, I think his adrenaline absolutely drains once a whistle blows. I mean, it's one of those guys that, you know, it, he's like all ready to go. He he gets up. He's you know, no matter how many times he's down, he finds a way to get up. And then the final whistle blows, and he is like on his knees, and he's praying, and uh, he's a very religious man. And you can see through you know the the whole ceremony that he goes through. Uh, every time a game ends and every time a practice ends. 
So, and, and I think that when he does that, especially, all the adrenaline just leaves his body. If somebody said, oh, by the way, uh, the referee just said the goal wasn't good and we're going to overtime, I don't know how he could get up and get mentally and physically ready to do something like that. Because, I, seriously, I mean, he just lets everything out. Uh, I just wanted to say one thing about John. Uh, John, you were mentioning the difference in goals between New England and New York City, right? And it was three goals difference. You, what you didn't take into account there is that New York City has played two less games than New England. New England has played 17 and New York City has played 15. So, uh, and the way New York City is scoring, what is that, 25 games in a row with a goal? Uh, they're doing okay. They, they might get a couple. And New York City has the best goal differential in MLS right now. Plus mm -hmm. 14, plus 14. So. And, and, and to do that and to have James Sands gone as much as he's gone and how important defensively he is, either playing in the back four or playing the six or playing in the middle of defense when you're playing a three-man a three man back. And the fact that Luis Barraza played, and uh, especially the last three games, was uh, lights out. So, uh, you know, it's a compliment well, it's, it's to everybody. Easy. It's easy to be lights out when nothing happens in your end. I mean, I, calling Luis Barraza lights out the last three games. I'm sorry. How many goals absolute, did he allow? One on a penalty kick. Is an absolute exaggeration. <laughs> when you go back. Hey, he, play, he, he played okay. Well, look, I, I know that fine. in the last game he didn't have anything to do. But in fine. the other ones he did. In the oh, other ones he what did. What other ones? The last three games he had nothing. What, what Not right. Yeah, are you gonna, literally going to make me go look up the damn stats? No, I'm just saying I love Luis Barraza. I'm saying you you put it as like he, you know. He, no, it he, wasn't he, a Matt Turner-like performance, mind they you. Have a, they should have a statue built for him because he's had three. Uh, you know, I, I don't remember saying anything like that. Well, that's when you made it sound. Hey, Matt Turner's from Jersey. Oh, oh here we go. Oh, God, here we go. <laughs> All right, well, let's. Well, I want a few more things on New York City before we get to the, the gold. Oh, Bridge, New Jersey, just to be oh. specific. Well, just one, one, one thing yeah. is, and, and I think it's is, is important to address is that. Greg Berhalter's from New Jersey, too. <laughs> <laughs> I know, exactly. <laughs> go ahead, Johnny. Um, hey, my son Frank is from New Jersey. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, it's important the way that. NYCFC tackle the the transfer windows. Transfer window is going to close at the end of this week, and a lot of uh, teams are getting their reinforcement. Right? We all know how difficult it has been this year in terms of getting visas approved, getting paperwork through, getting players on market, and then get those players on you know in game feet situations and get them the proper time to adapt and we well, did that all already oh for yeah good point man i was just gonna say who are you gonna bring in now it's no, done that's the point it's, it's done. done yeah it's, it's good. done and it's done with time so everybody is on market everybody's almost ready to contribute uh you you mentioned um the last kid rodriguez who came in Right, yeah, and, and and Santi is he's ready. He he's his adaptation period oh, out of the field. Well, you, you talk to the, he's doing things in training, John, and that's where everybody's getting kind of excited because they see what he's doing. We haven't seen it a whole lot in game situations because he's only played about I don't know he's played about forty minutes out of five games, so you know it's really hard to 
to judge what he can do. But it happens with all those guys, man. Remember when Tati came in the first game he played his score. Yeah. They especially those guys coming coming from Uruguay. You come into the States and you train on a beautiful almost golf type grass <laughs> if you compare with the grass that you used to play professional i'm not yeah. saying even academy yeah. yeah but they were you know the fields that are playing down there are not top class only one or two stadiums are top class yeah so when you come and have that kind of grass of course your ability you know shines because because you got better conditions to use it call from mom answer it call silenced Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know, funny that you mentioned that because I was watching Monterey against Pumas on Saturday because I wanted to to see what was going on with uh, with Pumas and how, you know, how, how they're going to play when they get a chance to play against New York City. Uh, and, and Monterey has a brand new stadium. It's like, what, two, three years old, uh, BBVA uh, Stadium in Monterrey. And, and the field just, I mean, it, I'm not going to say it looks a mess, but it, it, it <laughs> looks in disarray. And, it, I mean, it's a brand new stadium. I mean, it, it just shouldn't look like that. I was just really surprised. Uh, you know, we're, we're accustomed to seeing fields here in, in, in the United States and, and especially in England, if, if those are the two leagues that I walk so much. And uh, to, to see the field look the way it looked, it was just like, wow. And considering that that was... That was a new stadium, and it just goes to the point of what you're talking about, John. That when players come here and you know they see some of the fields, uh, and especially the training fields that, that are in that condition, I mean, they, they have to get excited to be able to show what they can really do. How about this field last night uh, in Las Vegas, where the Raiders are playing, 69 yards wide? Yes. Right. I mean, the, anybody bitching about the Yankee Stadium field that's 70 yards wide? Come on, man. 69 yards wide for a game like that and throwing throwing grass on the top of turf. No, they're not throwing grass no, on no, top no, of no, turf. No 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 no, 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 no. Stop, stop, stop. That is an all that is an all year round grass field. It, yeah. It's on it's it's on a uh, 
it's on a rolling it's a rolling field that when the game is over they 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 roll it out of the stadium just like schalke and uh state farm stadium in arizona so no that is a absolute 100 grass field in great condition and not great condition but thank you very much but no you're right it it was a great condition it's just not it's just not wide it's just not wide enough it's 69 yards wide how how would they build I, I have to ask you guys this. Thank you for clarifying that. Because, but that's the same uh, reason, Glenn. It has to be one with the other. But why would you build a stadium like that, knowing that you're going to have other events in there? Can, that, can the people that built that stadium not have the foresight that they're going to host soccer matches there and not have a field that can, can extend beyond 69 yards? I, I was shocked when I heard that. And plus, when you watch the game, it was pretty evident, you know? I mean, it really added to the uh, action like it does at Yankee Stadium. Exactly. It doesn't make for bad games. I People bitch about this all the time, but the uh, the honest to God truth is that the games are, there's a lot more action. I, I don't know if it really hurts the game. I mean, from, a, from an entertainment standpoint, I don't think it really hurts the game. I'm sorry, it just doesn't. So people can complain all they want, all you purists complain about your 75-yard fields or 80-yard fields uh, when they they can get that done. You know, the Galaxy can go 80, but they don't. They did at the beginning, and then they they brought it down to 75. But, uh, yeah, give me 70 yards. What's that? There's coaches who moved the lines and uh, the Galaxy and, and did it even less. You moved the well, lines. At Rutgers, we yeah. moved the lines. The, the, men exactly. used to go, the men used to go 80. We would bring it into 75 because the women couldn't, uh, you know, they couldn't close down as quickly, you know. We did the same thing. Well, I understand you. that. Well, I we saw what happened in D.C. with Hernando Sada. He made the field shorter. <laughs> he made the field shorter by five yards. He asked. He did not do it. Oh, yeah, he definitely did. Not that he asked. He did. The lines were there. The, you could still see the outline of the old lines behind the goals. Oh, yeah, he, he absolutely did. He somebody else to do it. He did not do it. Oh, well, whatever it is, it's five yards less. <laughs> whatever it is, it's five yards less in beautiful, well, not so beautiful Audi Field. Well, I'm not going to lie. 69 yards wide is ridiculous. But anyway. Yeah, I, I, I agree. But I, I don't know how much more they could squeeze. And there, I guess there might be a possibility. I, and I'd have to investigate this. But. Uh, there's also field boards and things like that, and uh, that that might have affected uh, why they couldn't go much wider than that. But they should have built the stadium with 75 yards in mind. But they built it for football. I mean, that that field is built for the Las Vegas Raiders first and foremost, and most importantly, and their fans and how close they reason. can get them to the field. And that's it. Everything else is just gravy. That's the reason, yeah, totally. But now that you're talking about field sizes, you gotta go there while you're talking about the three recent NYCFC victories, all of Yankee Stadium. Yeah, they they love Yankee Stadium. How about and and don't forget the five-two win in the last Yankee Stadium game in 2020. So you have to take mm-hmm. all those games into effect, and they've scored 20 goals in five. 20 matches. goals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you mentioned seeing, we might see the debut of Santi in the starting lineup and the idea of not having enough depth where you could almost platoon, especially in the attacking positions. Definitely. Uh, is there, depending on who is out there, can can Dyla play the exact same system with all those guys or depending on 
the roster, is there maybe one or two guys where you you want to kind of really focus the the tactics around that certain player? In talking to him today, he w- really wants to play the four two three one. That he really wants to stay that's with that. That's his. That's his. Yeah. That's and his. and he's got and with if it's Santi Rodriguez on the left, he'll just play that kind of inside channel, just like anybody else would. Tylus or or uh, Tiago, and they can go wide. They can come in. Um, but you look at the back too. It's there's there's platoon going on back there. We talked about the three center backs rotating. And then on the left, you have uh, Amundsen and Goody. I mean, that's that's almost a strict rotation right now. Mm-hmm. There's the one. There's one guy. To be honest, with, there's one guy who's going to be in the lineup every day as long as he's healthy. As long as he's healthy, that's Anton Tinnerholm. And can I tell you something before you go on? That that Tavon Gray. Every time he's come in, he's looked really, really good. And there's no reason why not to give the spot start or. 20 minutes to get to Tavon Gray to save uh, to save Tinnerholm as well because yeah. he there's there isn't a huge drop off mind you I love the way Gray has been playing uh, every chance he's gotten he goes forward he's aggressive uh, he plays with a ton of confidence he's got speed he's not afraid of anybody uh, coming down his direction I'm impressed with that kid I mean, not that I don't know him. I I have known him for a long, long time because he was at Cedar Stars. But uh, I mean, he's really developed into a a really, really solid prospect for New York City. No, and it, the best the teams that win championships everywhere, high school, club, uh, professional, it, it, they have deep rosters where they can play. You know, they can have this two platoon as many positions and multiple positions as possible because it's because of the way the seasons go, you know, and, and there are injuries and there are multiple games in short periods of time and you, and you need this. And I, you know, New York city's set up. They're really, they're, they're set up pretty well, man. They're, they're, there's no question. They've never had a team this set up to do well. And there's still plenty of time. We're only about halfway through the season. So anything can happen, but, um, I've never seen a unit with New York City FC that has this much variety to it and this much depth. I just don't think it's ever been there. No, it's it's the strongest squad that they've ever had. And re- and remember that even though there's, what, a week left to go in the transfer window? Remember that New York City still has a DP yes. spot open. New York City has a DP spot open, and they were looking to fill it. So I wouldn't say that uh, this is the exact team. There still might be somebody else coming in. Just because we don't know about it doesn't mean that it may not happen. And you still need depth at center forward because we still don't know, you know, how long it's going to take Ebert to get up to speed. And even if he does, in what condition is he going to be, you know, how, how affected he's going to be by that leg. And are you going to need somebody who's really going to be able to contribute because... You know, what happens if Tati goes down or Tati goes into another stretch where he doesn't score goals for five games or something like that. So, you know, you need you need that depth up front. And somebody who's going to be happy with not being a 90-minute starter. Well, I have no problem moving Tiago to the middle. Um, he can do that. Yeah, and that could be circumstantial too, tactical, but... Uh, but even if you needed him at the start up the middle, he, he could he could do that, I think. Medina can do it, too. Medina can do it. You think Medina can play the nine? Well, yeah. he has. 
it's well, more of, it's more of a recess than nine. But he can, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, a, a guy playing, you know, back to the goal, holding up play, attacking into space, all that, that. That's not, not him. Necessarily, not necessarily. It all depends on the system. Oh, true. Those are but... you, you're describing a typical number nine. Right. But the the current position all depends on the system and the and the man that you have on place. So. But cool. that is, it's not necessarily. But, but listen, I, so this I game against keep, Chicago I, on on Wednesday is uh, is pretty interesting, right? Because Chicago statistically has created more chances on goal than any team in MLS. This is whatever that expected goal stuff is. <laughs> I, I, again, I'm not up to speed necessarily on it exactly, but Chicago creates; they just can't finish. Now, New York City was in the same boat, right? I mean, that, they were having the same, I guess, yeah. issues you could say. So, yeah. you know, they're they're playing a team at home at Soldier Field that, you know, creates opportunities. So, I, I don't think there's any, uh, you know, one and done on the uh, the Wednesday night affair at Soldier Field, that's for sure. They also give up no, a ton of goals. They give up 29. It's 28 so far this season. So uh, there, there's that part of it. Only Cincinnati giving up 29 and Toronto giving up 33. Did you guys watch uh, it? I, have a, I, I saw part of it. I, I saw yeah, the last yeah. 10 was, minutes of the first half. and then Was the that a red card out. against Amsberg? Jesus, no. that's tough. I thought that's that was really one. tough. That's a rough one. I mean, I didn't even think it was a foul, to be honest. To overturn it on VAR is, is uh, I think, exactly. I, thought was, I thought it was absurd. Yeah, I, I wasn't in favor of that. I didn't think it was a penalty yeah. or, or a foul, yeah. whatever. No, it wasn't a penalty. It was a foul. But the way when Wagner hit the ball, it was like a penalty. When that happens, it's basically against the spirit of VAR because when that happens, the guy at VAR is managing the game. Well, it's not that. The, the referee went and saw it himself. So the referee goes and makes a decision. So they, they talk about it. But at the end of the day, it's the referee's decision if he wants to accept the advice or not. It's not that he's managing the game. Right, I don't mind the referee going and seeing it. But then he sees something. They shouldn't be calling him. That's the main point. No, they well, should I... not be calling him for that kind of play. Because that is not obvious mistake. That is not an obvious mistake from the referee on the field. So they should not be calling him for that. They should be leaving him alone with his decisions on the field because that is not an obvious error. Did you guys see Glessness take down Alaseda a little bit earlier? Uh, and I, there was no one behind Glessness. Do you re I don't know if anybody saw that. I wrote this down. I was watching the game, and I wrote this down because it was like, how was Glessness? How was that not reviewed? Exactly. It was right at the it was right at the halfway line, and I didn't see another defender. Now, you know the the I, we didn't get a wide shot from the camera or anything, but I don't think there was another defender, and that was never talked about. You remember, John? Right, that was that was because that yeah. was that wasn't considered a big mistake from the referee. That's why they didn't review it. But and and I can see the point. I mean, the distance between the guy that is breaking and the goal is so big that you cannot really say that's a duck so, right? Even though he has yeah. no one in front and he's running right straight, but the field is so big and the space is so much that you cannot call it. So, you know, let him go with his decision. 
Francisco Calvo. Just... Calvo said after the game, he said it wasn't even a foul. So not only was it not a red card, he said it was not even a foul. Well, yeah. I, I wonder if Chicago is going to appeal this and uh, if they're going to, you know, we'll see Probably. if they win it and then see what the disciplinary committee says, right? And that basically, if, if they say, by the way, sorry, then that means that VAR really, really screwed up. Yeah. But I, I don't think they're going to do it because, remember, you have to be very mm. careful if you're going to ask for that a panel review. Uh, you got to make sure that you're actually going to win it because you're losing your option down the road. How many right, you only have two per year, right? You have two? Correct. Two? Two yes. per year. Yes. Yes. All right. I'll just never forget Patrick Vieira. Maxime Cheneau was red carded after a game for just verbally abusing a, a referee, and referee. Patrick appealed it, and it was the it was the worst decision on Patrick's part ever. They were yeah, you know, the, you don't you don't review that. Yeah, <laughs> that's not verbal abuse. You're never gonna win that one. No, there's no there's no video. You need video, man. Patrick. Crystal Palace. I'll be uh, I'll be visiting Crystal Palace within the next twelve months, just so everybody knows. I just uh, see what's going on. Very nice. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That's the way it should be. By the way, I listen. Still, I, I, didn't I hope he's just still there. You know, in twelve months, you know, EPL. <laughs> Come on. You don't. You don't know. It's no, no, no. EPL isn't that uh, cutthroat. It's not Mexico. It's not Mexico. Me? The EPL, the, the EPL and championship, I forget what the stat was, but it was like the, the, the average length of a, a coach's life, maybe this was championship, was, uh, was nine months. And in, in Mexico, that's an eternity. <laughs> so it is. Tato, Tato Martino still alive? Well, he doesn't coach a team. He doesn't coach a team. He coaches a national team. But if you were listening to all the pundits in Mexico yesterday, they, you know, ninety percent of them were calling for him to between quit or get fired. And basically, what Hugo Sanchez said something to the effect of, "If he had any dignity, he would go and resign right now and admit wow. that he's a failure." Oh my gosh! These well, let's talk are about nuts. it. What a <laughs> how about, about Vladko Adonovsky? The U.S. women lost to uh, yeah. lost this morning to Canada yeah. at 4 a.m. That's why I'm so exhausted. I, I, I've been up. Oh, well, you actually stayed up and watched the game. So tell us about it because I, I definitely didn't, and didn't we should definitely up. go through it. I went to bed and then woke up. Oh, okay. I, I, I watched the U.S. men, and then by the time all that was all over, it was like midnight. And then I got up like at 3:30 for the women. So, oh, well, if, well, let's start with the women then, since that's a little more recent. What uh, what went wrong for the U.S.? <laughs> oh boy, I, you know, Vladko. I'm a fan of his, and uh, on the club level, his teams have performed so well, and they've been so prepared. I had a friend of mine who, you know, doesn't follow it that closely, but got up to watch the game today, and and he wrote me and said, it looked like the players had no idea what they should do, and that. And this is someone who's a soccer person. And that's troubling to hear. And it, it did kind of look that way. When they got anywhere within 40 yards of goal, they ran out of ideas. And these are 33-year-olds, 39-year-olds, 36-year-olds, 32-year-olds. That, that's the forward line. And then Lindsey Horan and Rose Lavelle and all these really, you know, 
individually spectacular players. So it was I I don't know exactly what happened, but it was hugely disappointing that they had no ideas. And that was pretty much throughout the entire Olympics. And I, I don't, you know, since you're not there every day, it, it's really hard, but it's a, it's really disappointing. I'm a fan of Latko's. I know him quite well. I'll probably have him on the air in the next couple of months because I've got to ask him what he thinks happened. And he's talking about digging deep and looking into it. And, you know, he's just at this point, he's trying to save his job. I don't think he'll have a job for the uh, for the World Cup. I really don't. Are you really considering? I mean, because I had a little talk with um, somebody very prominent in the media today uh, about this. Do you, are you serious thinking that the U.S. that Vladko's job is in trouble because he didn't win this Olympics? I mean, oh, it, it, wait, no. So hold absolutely. on. So absolutely. So you're not going to give him. A, you're not going to give him a chance. To say, hey, okay, so maybe this thing didn't work out. Let me go fix it. I'll give it a chance. I mean, I'm not, if I'm the boss, I'm going to sit with him and I want to find out what the hell happened. Right. But, but no, of course I'm going to give him a chance because he's. You just said that absolutely he's in trouble. So. He's in massive trouble because this is, this is the only major tournament. I mean, he went through all these games, these friendlies, all these different events that had, where there was no pressure. And I don't know if you saw him on the sideline when they they had some pictures on the sideline of him, and honestly, he looked he looked completely baffled and troubled at times. I mean, troubled by me. I mean, I don't know. He looked, I don't know what that. There were these ticks and there were these. I don't know if you guys saw any of this, but I he was. I think he was massively troubled internally. I really do. I don't. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened, but I would find out, and I would ask him about what I saw on TV. I would ask him, what the hell happened to you, man? And what was going on with your team? And why did you pick certain players over other players? He's completely in charge. This is a guy who's in charge of not only the U.S. women's national team, but the complete development of the overall program. The youth national teams have struggled mightily at the U-17 and U-20 level. They have sucked. You understand? So where are we going next? So he has a lot to answer to, and I love the guy. So I'm, if I'm his boss, I'm sitting with him, and I'm going to hear from him. He's in deep trouble. Yes, he's uh, in trouble. However, I'm going to hear him out. I'm his boss, okay, for, for that moment. Okay, so th I mean, there's two different things. So at least you're going to hear him out. Other pl sure. other people are saying, uh, you know, other not people. are you talking about Twitter? Come on, man. No, no, I'm talking about pundits, not not just you're like average about Grant fans. Wall. Grant Wall put out a poll and asked, should he stay or should he go? Grant Wall was not putting any opinion on there. I think it's a legitimate poll. Let's see what people think. And from what I've seen, it looks like it's come out not necessarily uh, not in favor of him. No, it did. It was much more in favor of him getting fired early on. But I mean, just by just by putting that poll out there, okay, just by putting that poll out there, there there is a level of what's what's a word that I'm looking for. I hear you. Uh, I mean, it, it it it's there's a tendency to 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 go towards the negative on something like that. Would you put that I mean, do you put that poll out there if if he wins the championship? Is somebody putting out a poll out there for Greg Berhalter? Should he keep his job or not? Hell yeah, they I'm sure that poll's been out there at some point. Are you kidding? No, no, no. no. Did, did they put it out today? 
Of course he didn't put it out today. He just won the gold cup. Exactly. Exactly. So so when he loses, so when he loses, you put it out there. Then that there's a tendency to that. That's why I didn't he think didn't it was fair lose. to really do the ball. He didn't just lose a game. They were honestly, and this is the last thing we should say about the women because there's probably people listening who don't even care about the women's team. But you well, that's have wrong. To anyway, well, I yeah, it's wrong. But I'm just saying, they were dismal from the start to the end. He is the head coach, right? I don't care about the victory over New Zealand. New Zealand's not a good side. Okay? I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm completely with you in all of that. My point, just my point is, so do, do you give him a chance to fix it, or do you say you are really the entire problem? You're, I'm not going to give you that chance to fix it. Well, that's a After question. everybody built him up of being this amazing, amazing coach to replace Jill Ellis, and that he was the best, guy, he was the best thing out there. Now you're telling me, oh well, no, he's not. I'm not even going to give him a chance to try to fix whatever mistakes he made, if he made mistakes, because you know he's not kicking the ball out there. Those are the players as well, and the players have to bear responsibility for what they did on the field. You know, passing errors, coverage. Uh, you know. The, 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 the players make mistakes too. It's not just all on the coach. Those players are on the way out. That's a lot of them are. Yeah, there, there's going to be a change. He chose he those players. And, uh, and we're not talking about a side that is uh, a normal side in, in the world stage. We're talking an USA woman national team that is the top of the top, that everybody, they stand on the field half of the world panics and yeah. and we look like that and you you're not respecting you know in terms of 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 the the ways the forms not even only the result but the ways and the forms in which you lose you're not respecting all the work that has been put out to get this team the recognition and the respect that they have today yep no it's a that's valid, John, and it's uh, and that's the other way you could look at this, Roberto. It's like you know, there's so much, there's so much put on this team as the number one to win, and when they don't, is that is that automatically a disaster, or is it just they had a couple of bad weeks? You know, was it just a bad? Were they in for, poor form at the wrong time? You know, and we've seen teams in that situation all the you know throughout our lives watching games, right? That's the worst part of it. I mean, I started saying, you know, 80% of those players are on their way out. And it's sad to see those players getting out that way because they were yeah. the ones who built this, you know, image and and how world see the women's national team today is on their shoulders. They put out a lot of work, a lot of quiet days and nights. And, you know, going them out like this is just... My favorite post-game... Uh... Uh, Rapino was being interviewed, and in the background, oh, this yeah. is after the game, Carly Lloyd was running sprints. Still working out, yeah. She was doing, she was doing a sprint work. <laughs> I love that. I love Carly. Oh, let's. But, yeah, uh, I mean, it's hard. It's 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 hard to diagnose exactly, but ultimately, and I'm a coach, and I'm a coach's guy, and I look everything from a coach's perspective. Megan Rapino said they didn't play with juice. Megan Rapino said there was something missing. The coach is partly responsible for that. Yeah, and this is a result-driven industry, and you're not talking about yeah. you know losing losing the Gold Cup. This is the world stage. You yeah. have two big tournaments: the Olympics and the World Cup. Period. 
Yep. You know, Anthony DiCicco today had a really good thread on Twitter about the women's national team. And um, I, I think everybody should go and, and check that out as well. I think it balances what uh, some of the other people are feeling. All right, we'll check that out. Let's uh, close this one with the Gold Cup and circle back to that. On a, on a happy note, the U.S. with a big win, one nothing in stoppage time, the header by Robinson. This is the matchup I think everybody was hoping for. We got U.S.-Mexico. And this was a, a very young U.S. roster, mostly MLS kids. Of course, from the New York City perspective, it was great to see James Sands get so much time and such a big role on this team. Uh, but a great crowd, a great atmosphere, and the U.S. with a, a big win um, in extra time. Well, my wife and I were in New York City for the week, and we went to this outdoor place on that night where there were tornadoes in the city or whatever the hell was going on, also in New Jersey. But we found a spot. We watched a game, and that was the Cutter game. And she, she was like, this is the greatest game I've ever watched because it was really, you know, there was there was something to it, and, and a lot of it had to do with the uh, the mentality of the U.S. team, even though maybe they, they weren't the better team against Cutter. They were not the better team against Mexico. They weren't. Sorry, but they weren't. But be, there's something that they had that overcame it, and we watched that game together, and um, I was thrilled. I was absolutely thrilled to watch how... See, there's a point where... When it's in the 80th minute, the 85th minute, later than that, and you're still closing down defensively and you're working so hard. I mean, Chazzy's artist, I, I just, you know, and you saw him a lot because he's the point guy in that, uh, in their press and how they set up. But just the, I don't know how many miles he ran, but how hard he worked to guide, to try to win the ball and all of them. Um, it was really, um, so sometimes that's very inspirational to me. I like the I like the beautiful game and the ball moving and all this other stuff, but uh, didn't matter to me in these last two games. I it was just a it was impressive. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. <laughs> I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. 
They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Very impressed. They, they overcame their own mistakes and I guess to a certain point, if you want to call it even lack of talent, by the level of grit, the level of uh, the, the mindset that they had, the all out, they're going to give everything until they drop. And it was just a never give up mentality. And, and Mexico had the ball more and, you know, the game played out the way we mostly expected it to play out. And you needed the U.S. to be able to hold off Mexico until all of a sudden, you know, all that grit and all that work was going to start really, really paying off. And it did starting in the second half and even more so after the 60th minute. But they were able to hold off Mexico very, very well. Matt Turner was the star of the, of the team and was the star of the tournament as far as I'm concerned. And he finally got to show everybody what we've seen while broadcasting New York City and watching MLS games ad nauseum. So we've seen how good or even how great, if you want to even put it that way, Matt Turner is. And the oh, fact that Matt Turner... Right. You're right, Roberto. That 3-2 loss for New York City, all Matt Turner. Yeah, and I mean, the, the funny thing about Matt Turner is that, you know, Mexico-U.S. games are, are beyond hard fought. I mean, they, they can get downright dirty, okay? And there's a lot of gamemanship that goes on and with us. But, and then you see Matt Turner, every time that some Mexican player was near him, and he was smiling at him, but I mean, in a nice way, and, and uh, helping him up. And, and, it was, and it was very atypical from a U.S.-Mexico game. His mindset was just absolutely perfect. Nothing was bothering him. And then uh, as Mexico winds up getting a little bit more and more frustrated by not putting away the opportunities that they have, either because Matt Turner was great or because seven, seven shots were blocked by U.S. defense playing like they were hockey players throwing themselves in front of balls everywhere, which was just great to see. Um, and then the United States, which were creating dangerous chances, and obviously not as many as Mexico who held the ball more, but... You know, Ariola had two chances, one on the right side, one on the left side in the first half. Then he had another chance uh, towards the end of the uh, end of the game where Yassi Sardis uh, was tripping all over himself and uh, on, a, on a set piece. And the, the best player for the U.S. in the game for me was Kellen Acosta. And one of the things and one of the key things that Greg Berhalter did with this national team was in this last game is that he took he took legit off set pieces and put Acosta on them and the U.S. was so much more dangerous on the set pieces and they wound up winning the game in extra time because of a set piece and it was a perfect serve and it was a perfect header by Miles Robinson. No question. He's had two issues, or not two issues, but uh, two angles, two different angles to look at this. And 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 Glenn, we uh, probably gonna, you know, find out down the road how this is gonna be put together, because of course I love that the U.S. won both tournaments. I mean the the Nations League, and now 
the Gold Cup. But when Berhalter was appointed and he started to talk about game and philosophy and style of play and all that, he uh, was very strong on expressing his desire of building a team that is going to control games, that is going to pressure high, I know you're saying. Hold the ball. Yeah. That is going to create havoc among the rivals. And that is far, far away from what we saw on the Gold Cup. And it's not bad. It's not good. It's just different. Well, he changed up. And it's okay. But he announced he changed. Along the way, when he started looking at his personnel more specifically, he, he noted that you know, he's got the kind of guys that he can play 4-3-3 and press high on a consistent basis. And I know you, you, you mentioned that was kind of his original philosophy. But I think more of his original, the way he wanted to play, was Stefan picks the ball up and they build out of the back. And they become much less of that and more of a pressing, win the ball, close to the opponent's goal, and make it happen from there. And that that's totally not the way he entered the you know we were I think Roberto you were there too we were at his first press conference up there in some building in New York City yeah. and he didn't say anything about 4-3-3 high press win the ball on their end and score he talked about playing the game the right way building blah 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 you know and and and, and it's not right or, or, or wrong it's just and yeah, it's yeah. actually leading he's adjusting towards, he's adjusting exactly his adjustment is actually leaning towards a great solution because he's telling us that it's a coach that can see those things, right? I mean, if I'm calling up these guys because I cannot this have these other people, then I'm going to adjust this and I'm not going to go with this because this is the thing that is going to make us have more chances to win and it's going to put my team in a you know, better possibilities of, yeah. of, of get the, the result done. So that's fine. That's okay. But, but my point with, you know, his initial approach is we need to hear it. We need to hear from him. All right, listen, forget about what I said. Because from <laughs> now on is let's build this program and win as much as we can with the 40 players that now we have in our hands, mix and match them and have the better team to win each tournament that we can go to, right? And to build reputation on this team that didn't go to the last World Cup. So I do not care about system, I do not care about philosophies, I care about a team that knows what to do, whatever it is. They're doing it, they're doing it right, Uh, and they're getting results, okay? And the other... Go ahead, sorry, John. Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, what's the other point? Yeah, because the other point is, many people said last night, oh, well, yeah, um, US won because they defend, and the only uh, important part of their game is defending, and that is a defensive team that the only uh, idea was to get, you know, parking the bus and wait for any opportunities, which is not true. Not the case. Not the case at all. You have 47.5% of the possession. If 53.2% of your passing is on the offensive side of the game, if you have five shots on goal, if you have five shots uh, not on goal, if you have six corner kicks, that is not a defensive 
team that may be a team that knows how to defend, which is totally different to be a defensive proposition to the game. Well, here's the issue, right? Because what you mentioned is absolutely correct. The problem was that it wasn't that the United States didn't try to play, is that, and this is where their problem is, is that they didn't just play well. And that's what I was talking about at the beginning of uh, when we started talking about well? this. No, well, what I mean, but I mean by the fact that they only completed 70% of their passes, right? The, the inaccuracies, the small inaccuracies that rest them the ability to control the ball more, to hold the ball more, and to do what they want. Because if you pass the ball in the right, not only just to the player, but in the right place to the player, you have a better chance of following up and making another better pass to the other player. But if you throw it behind them or you put it in a place where a Mexican player has a chance to get it as well, now you're putting him in trouble and you're going to possibly cause a turnover. And that, that's part of the issue that the U.S. has is the fact that in the past they've always been a turnover machine. But now they're not as much, but they still have to work on their precision passing against elite competition or better competition that is going to press them. And that has been the problem. And that's where they're going to have to get better. But you can't you, you can analyze what is uh, in front or what is going to come or what they're going to face because you're going to face it with the same people, with the same style, with the same roster, with the same mentality in the same moment. You can't do that on a national team level. You know, he can have a final tomorrow and he can have 20 other kids, different. Right. So he's going to put out a different style, you know? You know, sometimes uh, it's tactic too to lose the ball. It's a tactic too sometimes to throw the ball behind your forward, for example, that he's not going to reach it because you want the, the center back to go wrong for that ball and pressure there and then you have a space. Yeah, it's part of it. Sometimes, sometimes losing the ball in certain positions is tactical too. Sometimes defender open their legs and let you make you, yeah, right? Because you're gonna make me, but you're not gonna get the ball right behind me. Is my player? We have the ball. You make me, yeah, laugh. I got the ball. Right. No, and I get that. And look, there's a lot of times, especially where teams. You know, you want teams to come at you and to and, and, and to come forward so you have space behind them when they're sitting back all the time. You're like, at some point, you're like, okay, we need this team to get out so we can go and now start getting behind them. So, you know, that, that's a tactic as well. I fully get that. My point being is that the, U, that the U.S. has to be more precise with their passing and more precise with their ball control when they want to play toward going forward as opposed to just counterattacking. And I know that that wasn't the strategy yesterday. They had a problem, and their problem was completing passes. And that a lot of times gets them into trouble. Last night, they, were, they didn't get that much into trouble. And as they did throughout the entire tournament, they, clept, they, they kept uh, a shutout. I mean, the only goal they allowed was a penalty kick against Martinique. 507 minutes and not one goal in the run of play. Allowed. Let me ask you guys this. Let's close on this question. Besides Turner, did anybody else do enough to stamp their ticket to the World Cup? Well, I don't know if to the World Cup, but I'll, uh, what they did stamp their ticket to was being part of a wider team that will be needed to qualify towards the World Cup. Remember that we're talking about three game series all throughout. So 
now as opposed to two. So you need more than 23 players to be able to, to, to play these three matches. And so I think that the guys that stood up there, especially Matt Turner's one, and I think that the goalkeeping uh, the goalkeeping is wide open because it's between him, Horvath, and, and Zach Steffen. To me, it shouldn't be that Steffen is number one anymore. I think that that, that is wide open. Uh, Miles Robinson took a huge step forward. James Sands took a huge step forward. And I think that he now becomes a death player, while I think Miles Robinson might have cemented himself in the starting lineup next to John Brooks, because I think he's better than any of the other guys who played, including Mark McKenzie and Matt Miazga and Tim Ream, who can, you know, hopefully safely retire now from the national team. Uh, I thought that Miles Robinson did absolutely fantastic. Um, uh, Kellen Acosta was the best player on the field last night. So I think that he, and he's been playing very, very well. He's had his, some of his ups and downs. But last night in the biggest moments, which was the entire game, he was the best player on the field. I mean, the amount of ground that he covers, people are worried about Tyler Adams and who's going to replace Tyler Adams. Kellen Acosta raised his hand nice and strong last night. So to me, those are the guys who probably did themselves the biggest favors. There's probably a couple of others as well. You're going to see a lot of guys from this team be part of the World Cup qualifying. Glenn, how about for you? Well, I, I, I look more. Uh, those are obvious. Although Kellen Acosta, you know, and, and I said this <laughs> to my wife, and my wife said during the game, she goes, boy, are you wrong. Kellen Acosta He's a ball with the amount of mileage and work he did to win the ball. I, I would I would look back and see how many times he won the ball and gave it right back. I would just look at that, okay? I don't think he's the number one guy that's going to sit in the middle of the park uh, against, you know, Germany, Germany. And, and, and provide production for us. I just don't think it, he's the guy, okay? But if he's a backup in, in a situation where someone else can't perform, like a Tyler Adams... Okay, so, I mean, the Kellen Acosta thing during this uh, Gold Cup to me is, I think, overstated. That's my personal opinion. I think the, the biggest thing that came out of this is that Daryl DK did not respond. I think that's the biggest thing because we still do not have a striker to play at the highest level of international soccer. And don't say Jossie's artist. Please don't say that. Don't tell me that. So who is it? Is it Josh Sargent who just scored two goals in a friendly? We still do not have a striker. And I was so hoping it was going to be Daryl DK. It's not Daryl DK. Not right now, anyway. Not right now. So I thought that was the, the biggest story in the Gold Cup outside of winning it was the fact that Daryl DK was so poor in this tournament. I, uh, I totally agree with you, Glenn. And that point, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to comment first on that um, because it's totally true. We do not have a striker. We do not have a killer. Um, Daryl Dickey was the, you know, the big hope for this tournament. But I think we should give him a pass right now just for the fact that uh, the tournament was successful overall for the team. Yeah, and and to give him a little bit of breathing time, so he was coming out of a huge tryout because that's what he did. 
he was on tryout Saturday and Wednesday, Saturday and Wednesday for the last three months, trying to get that team into a relevation uh, a promotion position on the championship and premier. Barnsley. But wasn't there a right. lot of time in between? But there was a lot of time in between. No, but listen. No? No, no, he hasn't had a rest in a while. There, your mind is there. Your physicality is there. And then you're doing that with the hope that you're going to stay there because that was the main goal. And then yeah. you don't stay there. And then you got to come back and report to duty to Orlando. And then play in Orlando and get the call up and go with the national team. And, right, right, you know, right. at some point, your mind yeah. is like, I need to breathe. And maybe yeah. that's the point. He breathed so much that he couldn't give Berhalter the defensive side of the ball that Berhalter was in need for from his forward. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I'm going to give him the pass and I'm going to say, listen, okay. we still have hope that he can be that because he proved at the highest level or, or a really high level, which is a championship, you cannot believe how hard it is to score goals in the championship because the defenders there are not coming for the ball. They're coming for your kidney. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. But the World Cup qualifying World Cup qualifying's in September. Right. I mean it's we yeah. understand that. You know what I mean? And that it's, is the other right. I and that is the other point that I have like the other lights out element of this tournament more than the trophy. US won the confederation, uh, yeah, the um, Nations League, and almost two months after won this Gold Cup. And you probably have in the 11s between 16 different players around. 16, 18 different players, right? And that is huge because you said so. The World Cup qualifying is coming, and there's times in which you won't have your guys from Europe. You were still having the COVID, you know, leftovers, or the COVID is still sure, alive anyways sure. for people that doesn't get vaccinations. So regulations are going to be either stronger or the same. You're going to have trouble getting people in, but you have this big, you know, pool of players that you already brought in, that you already had time living with them in a camp and knowing them and putting them through the game style and winning both times. So I think that's the no, big takeaway. Who's playing wing back, uh, Christian Pulisic or uh, Reggie Cannon? <laughs> 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 Uh, well, you know, it's not going to be doing. just th those guys. I mean, you, you still have other guys who you can, I mean, it's hard to try them out now. But if, if they start or, or continue to play well, I mean, Berhalter may, may bring them in and uh, decide uh, to give them a shot. And one of them is Soto and the other one is Pepe. So you've got two guys who are still young, but, you know, Pepe had a hat-trick the other day and has been playing pretty well for FC Dallas, who seems to be a freaking machine about producing players, although, you know, they don't win a hell of a lot, but they produce a hell of a lot of players, that they do, and uh, Sebastian Soto. So, uh, and he's had uh, chances to, to do things, and if, if he can stick with his team and play well there, then he, he might actually get a chance to come in. And now Josie Altidore is back playing for Toronto, no, thanks thank to you. Javier Perez. But, I mean, he might, you never know. You never know if he's going to get called back in. 
I mean, if he's healthy and he's playing course, okay, he's going to. I mean, coach, I will never know. Uh, I, I know, but coach. I will never know. I'm just stating my opinion. I think the old guard is gone and done, and thank you. Period. Well, then, then you're going to still have more of Yassi Sardis, and 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 then that may not be a bad thing because whatever he doesn't do as far as scoring no. goals that you would think that he should score, he makes up for in a lot of other intangibles that help you win games in other ways. One other guy who I thought really shone on this team, and I loved watching him play, was Matthew Hoppy. Yeah, never. Nobody said that, uh, or, or I. The way I read Glenn's comments is not that he doesn't want Jatsis artists on the national team. Is that he is not the forward killer that the team right. needs. But his work rate, his ethic, his everything is there. It's fantastic. But he's not a killer. Period. He's not the number nine. No, I was screaming. I was also screaming. Don't take Hoppy off. Do not take yeah. Matthew Hoppy off. Don't do it. Hey, how about uh, we mentioned Barnsley, Khaled El Ahmad, uh, who I've gotten to know a little bit. He was a super scout for CFG, City Football Group. Two mm -hmm. weeks ago was named the uh, chief executive officer of Barnsley. So I, I, I was hoping to have him interviewed by now, but he said he uh, we can't do it until October when he actually starts there. But, uh, you know, I said, you bringing Daryl DK back or what are you doing, man? And uh, <laughs> that's his first. So you're gonna, uh, are you going to be the piece that is missing in that? No, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. But this dude is, uh, this dude, Alex Ring, uh, Anton Tinnerholm, any of the Scandinavian guys that have come in. I guess you, Inga Burgett, too. Uh, <laughs> he has to, he may He's not going to put that on his resume, is he? I, I don't know, but he, he may have to take credit for that. But we know Anton Anton still communicates all the time with the Ewing Ewing, uh, Ewing and Burgett. They, they're they're good buddies because uh, he's back at uh, uh, Malmo. Burgett is at Malmo scoring goals. All right, good for him. Scoring the goals that he couldn't score at New York City. Uh, all right, boys. He's let's... never he's, he's never going to erase his Latin from that wall. No. <laughs> No, that's true. All right, let's bring this one to a close. Uh, Glenn, we have a big match Wednesday. Where can big people match. Where can yeah. people here? Soldier Field, you'll be there. I'll be there. Well, we won't be at Soldier Field, but you no. and myself and Maddie will be uh, doing the broadcast. We're going to do a Facebook Live at 7 Eastern okay. where we uh, chat it up, and uh, it's becoming a fairly popular little pregame live thing. And then uh, 7.45 is our airtime on the New York City FC network, nycfc.com slash radio, where you could also choose to listen to the Spanish broadcast, which is Roberto and Ariel. So depending on uh, what you want to hear that night, there you go. You have your choice. Roberto? Very good. So you just go to nycfc.com slash radio. And yes, you have your choice between English and Spanish. Just one click, and it takes you to tune in, and then you just have to make that page your favorite, and then you can just go straight there every time there's a game. Pick the and English. Pick the English. Go ahead. Dale English. Español, English. carajo. English. Español, carajo. Más emoción. Um, más emoción. Más emoción. Exacto. 
<laughs> anyway, uh, follow me on Twitter at Rob Abramowitz. Follow me also on Facebook at Roberto Abramowitz Oficial. And on Especialistas de los, Especialistas de los Deportes in, in Spanish. Uh, every Monday, we do a show called Frontera Frontera, which is half an hour with Javier Trejo Garay. And we talk about Mexican soccer and MLS. Uh, we went pretty deep into the U.S.-Mexico game last night, and especially on the Mexican side of, um, you know, the expectations and what, uh, Tata the, Martino. Uh, what's the journalist, what, what, what do the journalists say? You know, you're, you've always talked about Mexico, and if U.S. ever beat Mexico, it would be, like, disastrous. You know? Well, it is yeah. for them. All right. Uh, so a majority of the journalists uh, are demanding that uh, that he be fired, that Tata Martino be fired. Uh, Hugo Sanchez, who is hired by ESPN and is, you know, is always using that platform, especially when there are foreign-born coaches with the national team, to have them fired and uh, for him to take over. Uh, last <laughs> night, he's up, it's all the time, Glenn. It's ridiculous. Oh, are you kidding no, oh, and then uh, last night he said that if he had and that that if he had any sort of uh, what's the word vergüenza, uh, John, help me out here. Um, Shame. Yeah, basically, that he should go and he should immediately quit and get and give the rest of his money to to charities for 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 poor people because uh, he he should be ashamed of the of the job that he did because you know you can't lose to the United States you can't lose tournaments in Concacaf um, just absurd stuff like that and then there were other ones uh, like David Feitelson saying that uh, Tata has started a process and that uh, he should be allowed to finish it. But uh, that wasn't a majority of uh, the media in Mexico who want blood because not only did they lose to the United States, they lost to the United States again, and they lost with their A team, they lost to the, to the US B C team. And awesome. uh, they, they awesome. can't take that. They just can't <laughs> take that. It's, it's, oh. great, it's great stuff, by the way as far as drama is concerned. To watch the late night shows that come out of Mexico, either on ESPN or on Fox, I haven't seen the ones on Tudene, but I don't know if they go that deep as well, or they're, they're slitting the wrists, the ones like on Fox and, and ESPN, but uh, they, they're pretty bad when, when it comes to that sort of stuff. And it, it's yeah, great, like as it. an American, to watch that, as an American who lived in Mexico, and uh, you know, I was part of a couple of those shows, which was made it a lot more fun for me. Uh, it's just great to see these guys slitting their wrist on the air. It's just fantastic. You love it. You love it. You love right. to watch the pain. Very nice. Mm, Thanks for the contribution. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not going to get into that. They can suffer all they want. You can follow me on jrojas875. That is on Twitter. All right. I'm at T. Colker for Glenn, Roberto, and John. I'm Tom. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Soccer in the City. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. 
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 